Michael Harris has arrived. It was a surreal feeling actually seeing my jersey up in the locker, uh, my last name on it. But how much can he help? Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano. He has made his way to Phoenix to set up shop to start this West Coast trip and what could be a very, very important uh, couple of weeks here for the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to this point, uh, it's, you know, we're right on Memorial Day and they haven't won three in a row. Uh, but they also haven't lost three in a row, so they've been kind of right in the middle and uh, looking to make a run here. Which is just so weird. Right, right. That kind of sums up what this team is, is they're kind of meh. Right, right. So far, I mean, the bad news is they haven't been really good. Uh, The good news is that they haven't been really bad. So I think um, it it could go either way, and I think it's going to lean a little more positive for them just because of the talent they have on, on the roster. Usually that takes care of some of these issues. Now, there are a couple issues with this team, but I think to this point, I mean, like they've got to like where they're at considering they really haven't played their best baseball for a stretch of more than two games. All right, so coming up, we will dig in later to where the Braves stand one-third of the way through the season. What can we expect to continue and what you should worry about? Plus, what to expect from the Braves' top prospect now that he's made it to the show? What expectations should there be for Spencer Strider's first start? And the award-eligible Ask Justin segment, which is going to be very serious and very silly. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, first off, uh, Justin, this is like another home game for you, isn't it, out in Arizona? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm an Arizona State kid, so this is, uh, yeah, kind of kind of full circle. I used to go to Chase Field to cover games during my MLB.com internship, so it's, uh, it is very good, very nice, uh, but very hot this time of year. So it's, uh, yeah, you're getting, they're getting the full desert experience when the Braves touch down here. How hot is very hot? Oh, uh, well, actually, right now, it's not very hot. So right now, I think it's only 90 to 94 something. It's supposed to be 95 uh, for the series, the highs. So, I mean, that's that's not bad. I mean, when I would move into, like, my college apartments and stuff, it would be, you know, 115, 120. So <laughs> this isn't this isn't too bad. This is manageable. And I think uh, some people are like, there's two schools of it. it. You know, you're either a dry heat person or that doesn't matter. Like, to me, I think hot is just hot. But some people would say that the dry heat's better than the southern humidity. I've never been to Arizona, so I can't com- I can't uh, rate either way. But the, but obviously the humidity is no joke. But let's go ahead and uh, dig into where the the Braves stand after winning their first home stand of the season, and they finish off the Marlins on Sunday six to three. But the big highlight, of course, is the slightly unexpected call up for Michael Harris on Saturday. At least a little unexpected for him. Honestly, I didn't think it would be this soon, but I mean anything can happen, and obviously it happened. So. Uh... It's just a great feeling being here, and it's, like, really numb to me right now. Did you think it would be this soon? No, absolutely not. I don't really think anybody did. But there's a caveat here, right? Like, under Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves have kind of treated these things the same in terms of if they feel a player can help them win now, 
they're going to go based on that. Their player plans in terms of the minor leaguers and prospects are very individualized. Uh, they don't have a certain number of at-bats, you know, for each level or a certain number of, you know, that you have to play at each level. Michael Harris jumped from double-A to the majors. And so, you know, obviously they felt he was ready, and the situation sort of dictated it. And the reason I didn't think it would be this soon was because I didn't expect Eddie Rosario to be in the position he's in uh, right now on the shelf for you know, a month or two more. Um, and I didn't expect uh, the Braves to have, you know, such a struggle getting production from their outfield. But with the way that's been with no Rosario getting, you know, a lack of production from guys like Heredia and then Demerit down the stretch and then, you know, having to still DH Acuna on and off, it really makes sense that he was the best option to help them. But I am surprised that it happened this soon just because I never expected that, though I did expect a promotion, you know, coming soon to AAA. Um, I just didn't know if they would hop him to the majors uh, because it's a top prospect. You don't want to rush a guy like that. But obviously they clearly felt he was ready and ready to help. And you can always send him down, you know, if he needs more at-bats at AAA. Obviously Harris is from Stockbridge, so he's a huge Braves guy. I remember when Jason Hayward first came up, and in his first game he had a home run. So him being from the same area that I live in now, that was a that was a big moment. And getting a lot of comparisons to him when I was younger, uh, it makes me feel confident about myself and feel like I can have a successful career like him, like he has. And feel like Trevor Jones was one of my favorite players growing up. And Andrew Jones, I watched a lot of Braves baseball, so I know a lot about the about the organization and the success they've had. That's awesome. I, that is just so special. Um, there's a lot of things special about this organization, this city, this this team. And, and when guys grow up, and it's, it's amazing, <clears throat> the guys we get here, even free agent guys that come in, and it's like, I want to meet Mark Lemke, and I want to meet so-and-so, and they grew up Braves fans. You know, they, they get all giddy when they see, you know, the former Braves. Murph, they used to when Hank would show up. You know, guys growing up Braves fans and then getting to meet, you know, guys they idolized that are walking the halls here. Pretty cool. As manager Brian Snicker, I think the, the Jason Hayward comparison is is natural since both are from Henry County. But but on the field, is that a fair comparison or what's what's his floor and his ceiling here? Yeah, yeah, it might, it might be a little bit of a fair comparison, but I think it's it's kind of Michael Harris, a guy who, you know, at least right now, could have all five tools for most of his career and could be a five-tool player, you know, the big leagues. I mean, he's got the bat. It, it, the power numbers haven't shown as much in the minors, but he's got big power. But, I mean, what they're really going to be looking for from him is just to, to have that glove that he did in double-A. And obviously, he's he's a machine out there in the outfield. He's a vacuum, basically. Um, he runs the base as well. Like last year, at his first full season of pro ball, uh, was successful stealing, you know, 27 of 31 attempts. And so that's really the role he's got to play because they have him, you know, batting ninth, and that's what he was, you know, in his debut. And that 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 should be his role is, you know, playing center field, batting ninth. Um, so he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to provide big power. But if he's a guy who can get on base at a decent clip, um, be another one of those guys in the lineup that can put pressure on defenses with his legs. But I, I do think... I mean, I think he's got a chance to be, you know, certainly with the tools that he has, like better than Hayward. I think Hayward's been a, a great big leaguer, but I think he's he's stalled out at a certain point of his career. And I think Michael Harris has a chance to be really good for a really long time because you just see all those athletic tools. Um, and I know Hayward had, 
you know, those same tools and it was sort of the same. But the thing we need to be, you know, cognizant of was Harris is a guy who was, a, you know, a pitcher in high school, a highly touted. And that, that was what he was viewed as, you know, in the industry coming out of high school, you know, entering the draft. The Braves, you know, went against the grain um, as they've done, you know, a few times and saw him as a position player. And so, you know, really the thing I find interesting with him is like, he could still develop a lot more like this could be, you know, we probably aren't seeing the finished product of Michael Harris. I mean, there could be things that surprise us. And I think just with the athletic tools that he has, you know, to be a position player, I think his ceiling is really, really high. Now the inexperience factor is going to be a major question. He's only played 197 games since high school. Why does he think he's ready? I don't know if I can actually answer that, but I just feel like if you go out and give a hundred percent, 10% every day and not really focus on results. Just have, go out there and have fun. A lot of good things can happen for you. Uh, I feel like I got a lot better in 2020, actually, without the season, uh, going to the alternate site in Gwinnett, just facing all the big league talent there and actually building a routine, getting to see how they, how they have routines that work for them and make them successful. I thought that was kind of interesting, him going back to being at the alternate site in 2020, because I really wasn't sure, I don't think anybody was, how any minor leaguer would develop without you know playing what we're used to, which is a minor league schedule. But apparently he got a lot out of that. And, and he turned a lot of heads there for sure. I remember uh, actually uh, the first day of minor league camp back in March, I was talking to Braden Shoemake, another one of you know the, the top 10 prospects, uh, shortstop. And he was telling me about a time at the alternate site. Um, Michael Harris, for those who don't know, was a switch hitter. He, he, no, he no longer is a switch hitter. He's ditched that. But he used to be a switch hitter. And I remember Braden Shoemake told me a story about, you know, one time everybody was at the alternate, alternate site kind of, you know, mingling as they do during batting practice. And Harris steps in uh, from the right side, hits a bomb, and then just immediately flips to the left side, hits another bomb, <laughs> and everybody's looking at each other like, <laughs> this guy's the truth. So I think he's, um, in addition to getting some quality work at the alternate site, I mean, I think he really turned some heads there as well. Um, and I, I do agree, though. I mean, you have less than 200 games since high school. The inexperience factor is big, but, it, you know, on the flip side of that, it can also mean that he's still got a lot of developing to do, which can be a good thing for the Braves who aren't in a situation like the Orioles or the Pirates um, or teams like that where they need top prospects to be basically stars right now. He doesn't need to be the guy right now. He just needs to be one of them. And I think that's something that can really ease this transition. Just some other top Braves prospects throughout the years that, that got called up early. Harris has played in 197 games since high school compared to Jason Hayward, 238, Ron Lacuna, 259, Brian McCann, 303, Andrew Jones, 318, Jeff Francoeur, 362, Ozzie Albies, 390. Of course, if he would have been able to play 2020, that number would have gone up, but it is still kind of stark how little experience he has compared to even all those guys who were 20, 21, 22 when they got their shot or Andrew Jones who was 19. And I think a, another thing that we should be talking about, too, is like expanding this bigger picture. One, the Braves to have some of the foresight and then to take that chance on him as a position player. And two, if you look at the big league roster this year, you've got Michael Harris drafted in the third round um, in 2019. You have Spencer Strider, another guy we'll talk about today, 
drafted in 2020 that has impacted the club in a huge way. You had Bryce Elder, who was drafted in 2020, who impacted the club, you know, for about a month there. The Braves is, you know, scouting department and then player development departments. They've really come together um, really well, which is what you need. And it doesn't always work out like that, where both of them mesh and both of them click and are firing on all cylinders. But when they are, that's basically how the best teams are formed. I mean, you look at teams like the Dodgers. Um, they're they're probably the gold standard of that in, in baseball. Um, I mean, the scouting, you know, and player development that the Braves have done on a lot of these guys, that's basically the, the lifeblood of, you know, an organization. And they've done a really great job because now you're seeing, you know, guys really contribute, like the young guys, like those guys and Contre- William Contreras. And, and we've, you know, we've kind of talked them up and down a wall, but you're seeing a lot of really young guys contribute for this club. Here's what Snit thinks on how he's going to use them. Well, you know, probably pick and choose some with the individual guys or whatever. But, yeah, no, he's going to – It's I like having him out there in center field. I say when I think when, um, you know, he's playing center, Ronnie's in right, and Doobie's in left, that's pretty good. That's about as good outfield as you're going to get defensively. I mean, this is not like a, like an emergency trial run, right? I mean, the, the, the goal is to bring him up and for him to stay, correct? Right, yeah, I think, and I think that's what they envision. Obviously, you can always send him down, you know, if he needs at bats or if he needs to adjust to the pitching more. But I don't think the Braves, like, by just personally, my gut feeling is I don't think the Braves would do this if they didn't, you know, think he could succeed now, um, and at least you know for a couple months and see if he can stick here, especially because what he offers them. Uh, and Brian Snicker mentioned it, and that was something else I was going to mention was just that he stabilizes the outfield so much in terms of putting a great option in center field that allows, you know, that pushes Adam Duvall to a corner um, and then allows Ronald Acuna to not have to entertain center field um, and not have to use his legs out there. So he just really, he makes them more well-rounded. I mean, he rounds out the ball club very nicely, and I don't think this would be, you know, a trial runner should be. The Braves Report is presented to you by Kroger, and yes, all right, finally, it's a holiday weekend and a perfect time to crank up the Braves Report podcast, by the way, during your cookout. And if you have not done so, please head to your local Kroger store to stock up on warm weather favorites, everything from hamburgers, hot dogs, buns, seafood, veggies, even plant-based food. It's all right here. And you can take advantage of these Memorial Day weekend sales, too. Plus, get grilling tips from the experts at Kroger.com. So stock up on Memorial Day must-haves today. Grilling favorites, snacks, beer, wine, and more at your local Kroger store or Kroger.com. All right, now, I mentioned this a few times on the podcast. And, and as, a, as a baseball guy, as a baseball fan, I always tell myself, don't make any judgments about any team until Memorial Day. That's when you know what you have. Well... It is Memorial Day. Two months into the season, the Braves are 23 and 25, eight back of the Mets. We've kind of been waiting to put it all together. You know, we've been struggling to get a toehold and to get a hit on all cylinders, and I kind of feel like we're trending in that direction right now. So, Justin, for somebody who just walked in, what are the Braves right now? The Braves right now are not a finished product, but they're getting there. It's been a slow and steady climb up the mountain or a slow and steady uh swim upstream for them i mean i think they've you know they've experienced challenges but i don't think there's any one major glaring weakness there are a couple weaknesses but i don't think there's one weakness that's really going to hold them back from being able to contend it's just a matter of putting all the pieces together and getting everybody clicking on all cylinders that was better throughout the last week uh for sure and now can they carry it onto the road? Uh, they haven't played very well on the road this year. Um, but look, they've been, you know, floating around 500. have kind of gotten back toward it, then fallen a little bit off of it. 
it just is a situation where they're not really stringing together good series. They're only stringing together a good two games. And so I think it's a team that I still think can contend and has the talent to do so. I mean, you look up and down that lineup, they're going to be pretty good. And they're going to be, especially because they're going to get to play the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Pirates, the A's. And so I really think this is a chance for them to come around. But I think what you have here is a team that could use another impact arm or two, and then really, you know, maybe another position player. But I think that's kind of what you need. I think you have the roster here to compete and contend, and they've shown that they can hang with anybody. It's just a matter of consistency, and I haven't seen anything that's really going to derail their season. It's just a matter of if they can all put it together for a stretch, certain stretches at a time. I think floating is a good verb that kind of sums up everything. It's not a nosedive. They're not excelling. They're just kind of floating right there, and that includes the lineup where they rank 15th in baseball and OPS. Here's Austin Riley with our intern, John Riker. You know, we've had days where, where we've clicked, and we've had days where we haven't. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to find our consistency day in and day out. We're starting to come around. I mean, we have been for a few days, and um, it's good to, you know, see the guys kind of bunching some hits, getting something going. Um, like I say, they've been working their tails off to get him to this point, and it's just nice to see it come around. What's been holding the lineup back right now? To me, it's a lack of success in situational hitting. Um, I mean, to me, that you look at what defined part of what def- has defined them in the past, um, in previous seasons, um, and sort of that quote unquote killer instinct. I know it's a sports cliche, but part of what defined their second half run last year uh, was hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, and if you were to go look at that and what they finished in 2021, even if, even if they had struggled at that, you know, at times earlier in the season, they ended, you know, high up, you know, first or up near the top in a lot of those categories of runners in scoring position. We haven't seen that this year, um, and we haven't seen it enough. We've seen too many strikeouts in those spots, um, not enough putting the ball in play. I really think that's what's held them back because, you know, it's not talent-related. There's nothing really with the approach in general. I think it's just the approach in those situations, not trying to do too much, trying to just like pass it on to the next guy. And you've seen them at least over the last week and a half or so, um, in my opinion, ease up a little bit on that and start moving the line and start passing to the next guy, not trying to do too much. Um, and then they really need to do a better job of adding on. I know that's, it's easier said than done, but they'll have a good third inning and some of these losses and then not really score again until like scoring a run in the eighth. And, and a lot of times it doesn't get it done you know you need multiple crooked numbers in in today's game um and with the way their pitching's been a lot of times they've been able to get away with that but i think they really need to be more consistent throughout a game but really with runners in scoring position they're just not converting enough on those opportunities though that looks to be getting better biggest surprise so far not necessarily that dansby swanson is playing well but that he might be the braves mvp obviously playing playing well is nice um i think uh you know the biggest thing that i've learned so far in my career is to, to stay driven and focused on the process. Um, I know it, it's it's become like such a cliche saying in, in sports these days. Uh, just trust your work, trust your work. But uh, just kind of was able to sit down, you know, tell myself that uh, the, the goal is to be the, the best version of Dansby Swanson, both on and off the field, and uh, not, not necessarily have it be just the results. And so keeping my uh, – you know, heart and, and 
brain in that in that spot has really paid dividends, and that's just how I'm going to keep rolling. To follow up on that, what has allowed you in your career to kind of stay calm through through slumps and allow yourself to get through them? Uh, I mean, you just got to keep going. Uh, you just got to keep keep on keeping on. That's what my dad always tells me: is just keep on keeping on. Uh, it's just how I was raised, and and obviously in this game. Uh, Fail seven out of ten, it's bound to happen. You're bound to have your ups and downs. It's, a, it's the hardest game in the world. Uh, so uh, I think there's a lot of joy that, that happens in you know in the work. So Swanson's leading the team in war. Is he your Braves MVP so far? He is. Yeah, he is. Um, for me, he's the all-around MVP. Eventually, with a bigger sample size of games, I expect that to be Acuna because he really just hasn't slowed down when he has been in the lineup and he's been the key to, you know, spark in their lineup, the key to their success. All around, though, it's got to be Dansby because I think he struggled for how much he struggled those first two to three weeks and then how he completely turned that around and how he has stayed hot since. It's really representative of kind of this torrid streak that he has throughout his career where he's, you know, he's been streaky and we know that. But to do it, you know, even when he wasn't hitting on the defensive side, he was great. On the basis, he was great. His defense has carried you know, all the way through the first couple months of the season. I mean, that hasn't left. He's going to get consideration for a gold glove this year if he continues playing like this. Um, and on the bases, I mean, just putting pressure on him. I mean, he doesn't have the speed of Ronald Acuna, but he's put a pressure on a lot of opponents um, and has made a lot of smart base running plays. All around, I mean, he's, yeah, he's my MVP. I mean, he's been the best player for them um, in each facet. And I think what's interesting about that, too, is without Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson was expected to be one of the guys who, you know, might become more of one of those vocal leaders and might, you know, a guy that the ball club might rally around uh, when it needs somebody. And so to have him playing like this has been huge for them. Um, and he's done it at the bottom of the lineup, you know, when the bottom of the lineup was otherwise struggling for most of the year. And now he's, you know, back up top. But um, he has to be the MVP. Olsen and Albies and Riley and, and Ozuna have, have all not quite had the consistency you'd expect right now. Is there anybody in that group that worries you? Um, you know, actually, no. Uh, I know we've seen Ozzy Albies kind of hunt early, you know, early count pitches a little more and a lot, you know, people have noticed that with, you know, and, but I think that's easy to notice anecdotally when, you know, you're swinging at the first pitch and grounding out to second. I, I really don't think it's a, it's an issue. Cause I think we've still seen like for, you know, for Ozzy, I mean, we still saw like that streak of power at the beginning of the season uh, for Riley. Like we've seen power like consistently and we've seen, you know, him using all field, you know, all parts of the field with Ozuna. Like we've seen, what he can do with whether it's a 13 game hitting streak or two home runs today, or, you know, how he got hot that one week and hit, you know, like four home runs in a week. But I think with those guys like Olsen, I just think there's so much that goes into being traded to a new team. I don't think he'd ever say it, but I just think like being, you know, in your hometown, traded to a new team, new situation, you know, you're struggling a little bit. Um, all this is new for him, and I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I expect him to be fine, especially because he's shown positive signs. He hasn't been a complete, no, none of those guys have been a complete black hole in the lineup for, you know, too long. I think they will all come around. It's just that they're going to need to in droves because, as Brian Snicker always says, like, they really need those guys in the middle of the lineup hitting uh, for them to be successful. 
Pitching-wise, the Braves are kind of floating there, too. 18th in ERA, 18th in whip, 13th in average against, 13th in rotation ERA. But, you know, when you're kind of watching them, it's like you feel like those numbers should be a little better, especially from the rotation. It doesn't feel like it's been that bad. No, no. And I was um, – it's funny because I was looking at that the other day, and I could not put my finger on why that might be. And then it dawned on me um, – Everybody who starts is included in, the, in those statistics, yes. obviously. So you've got, as we're just looking now, Huascar, you know, with a 13.50 ERA. Um, and, you know, he is no longer with them, you know, up at the bigs. And then you've got Bryce Elder, who, you know, actually pitched well and kept them in games, but he's got a 4.74 ERA. Um, and then you've got, you know, even a guy like Tucker Davidson, who, you know, served his role a little, you know, a little bit. He's got a six four six ERA and, you know, had had a poor start that, you know, could tank his starters ERA. So I think there's a lot there that that fifth starter spot. It's really indicative of kind of the weakness I see on this team. When you're going up against teams like the Dodgers or, you know, even the Brewers or the Padres, uh, other contenders, the Mets, certainly, um, if they get their pitching back. You're going to need a deep rotation, um, and I know you really only need three of those guys in the postseason, um, and you keep rolling them around, but you're going to need a deep rotation. And I think that fist starter struggle, uh, I think there's a guy they have there, and we'll probably talk about him for the 50th show in the, a row, but that has been such an influence on those numbers because for the most part, like, they've been good. Like, what have they... The biggest struggle to me has been Charlie Morton's inconsistency and his inability to go deep into games and, you know, giving up some runs here and there. Um, but he straightened it out over a few starts before, you know, his his last one. Um, you know, Max Fried's been really good. Ian Anderson has straightened out. Um, Kyle Wright obviously has been terrific. That fifth starter spot, they've tried, you know, they've tried Elder, they've tried Davidson. They, they hoped all of those guys could take it and run with it. None of them did. Um for you know you know he was just getting you know the couldn't limit the damage elder had too many walks um you know davidson you know wasn't able to take it and run with it as he had hoped uh so that has been the biggest issue for them uh and now because of that they you know are gonna get to see spencer strider in that role you know in monday's opener in phoenix one of the things we put on on our our preseason opening day checklist is the Braves had to have one of these young guys step up and seize the four spot in the rotation. Kyle Wright has checked that box and you talked to him about his mindset shift the other day. Walked through locker today just like walking down the hall just it was just weird I just felt more comfortable walking down the hall which sounds kind of you know, weird and dumb but you know, years passed and I feel like I was you know always struggling to do I had to feel like I had to be perfect all the time to stay here just like I was just always couldn't relax um, and not that I guess I'm relaxed. I'm still, you know, hungry. I'm trying to, you know, get better and still be, uh, you know, a guy every fifth day. But I just feel like I'm, I'm myself. What's it that Yogi Berra said? 80% of the game's half mental or something like that? Well, Kyle Wright's in a pretty good spot mentally right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's really the biggest uh, – that's the biggest part. I mean, he's worked with Zach Sorensen, who's the mental skills coach, Um that the Braves, you know, have in-house who works with guys at all levels of the organization. Um, and and Kyle Wright, for him, it's been being able to compartmentalize outings, uh, good, bad, indifferent about them. 
being able to take what he's learned from them into the next one, but leave the specific outing and the, the feelings from that behind and move to the next one has been huge for him as well as, um, you know, I asked him what he was most proud of. You know, you have the RA, you have the strikeout to walk ratio, you have all of that. But for him, he said it's going deep into games. And here's something about Kyle Wright. So in, he's gone at least six innings in six of nine starts this year. In his career before this, I think he had, you know, somewhere above 15 starts, for including, the, including the postseason. So including the postseason since 2018, he'd gone at least six innings six times. And then he's done so in six of nine starts this year. And that's what he said he's most proud of because he thinks that going deep into games touches on everything. You got to be, you know, you got to be efficient. Your pitches have to be working. Like your stuff has to be there. You've got to be like limiting damage, all that stuff. You've got to be striking guys out. You're so you'd hope. And so for him, that's been good. But mentally, it's just been much more. I mean, he's in a great spot. He told me that baseball to him, you know, this year is just way more fun. Obviously, he's always loved being around the guys, but it's way more fun. And um, he told me in that interview, in previous years, it felt like he was searching. It felt like in that answer, like he said, you know, he always had to be perfect to stay up here with the big club. Um, And it felt like he was searching, you know, why this, why that, you know, why is my stuff not playing? Am I using the right pitch mix? You know, he'd watch video and be like, well, how can I fix this? Or what's going on here? And now he just seems freed up to pitch. Uh, And I think that's been the biggest thing for him is now he feels like he really belongs. How do you grade the bullpen right now? And I mean, it's actually, I would give it a B plus uh, for the circumstances. You don't have Matzik, you don't have Luke Jackson. Um, and yeah, there've been a couple, you know, games they've lost back there, here and there. The B plus, it would be an A, but I just think that it, it's tough to have an, you know, an A plus bullpen. I think they've been very good given the circumstances. Now, the concerning thing I see with them is, and I guess you could say this for a lot of teams, but I think they're an injury away from being in a really bad spot there in that bullpen. Because I just think that right now, you know, especially if you start Spencer Strider, you have A.J. Minter as your setup guy, Kenley Jansen as your closer, um, and then that's really good. But, you know, can you trust Will Smith 100% of the time? Um, you know, can Jackson Stevens continue to give you what he's given you like can Darren O'Day kind of continue to give you good innings? I think McHugh has been up and down, but he's been good. You know, he's been a good weapon for them. So I think, I think it's a B plus bullpen, honestly. Like I, I don't think there's anything really bad about it. Like I think they've been one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, but for my money, I think it's hard to be an A bullpen. That's why, and I, you know, my standards might be a bit high. So some people might have them in an A minus, but I just think that. You know, for the circumstances, they have been really, really good. Uh, and it's fair to mention that. Um, but uh, but on the other side, you know, without Matzik right now, without Luke Jackson, um, with Strider in the rotation, I don't know how Brian Snicker is going to play that, you know, starting tomorrow, you know, tomorrow in Phoenix. Now, there's no one in Atlanta that invests more in journalism than the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Sports journalism, politics, investigations, breaking news. We have it all here, but we cannot do it without our subscribers. So if you're not subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, we do have a special offer just for Braves fans. We call it our season pass, and it's half off our regular subscription rate. Unlimited digital access to the AJC costs you $39.99 for the next eight months. That's $125 a week. So if you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season. Season pass that is subscribe.ajc.com/slash season pass so you always know what's really going on. 
All right, now we'll look at uh, the week ahead here, and actually pretty uh, pretty two big weeks here because the Braves' next six series are against teams below 500. It starts on Monday in Arizona, and Spencer Strider with a 222 ERA faces Zach Gallen, also with a 222 ERA. Here's Snit on what to expect. You know, we haven't really got anything out of that spot, and, you know, tomorrow he's ready to go, and we give Charlie an extra day um, in this 17-game run, and, and um, you know, hopefully – you know, he can cover some innings and, you know, he's been throwing the ball well and, you know, somebody's got to make that start and, and he's thrown good and has done it before. So, you know, it's something that gives us a good chance to win when he's out there. How far can he go? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I, you know, if you look at his pitch logs, I mean, he's gone, his season high is, is four innings and that came when he followed opener Jesse Chavez on May 6th against Milwaukee at Truist Park, and he threw 69 pitches since then. 25 pitches, 26 pitches, 11 pitches, 20 pitches, 46 pitches. Now, you have to think he's pretty, you know, has tried to stay stretched out, especially because he last pitched on May 25th. Um, But I think, you know, I think if he could go four or five innings, uh, that's a win for them, you know, especially five innings. And I think if he can go that that's probably a win for them. And that means he was relatively efficient. Like obviously, he's, you know, not going to be pumping one one or I don't think so in the fourth or fifth inning. But if he can get, you know, four or five for you um, and cover some innings there, I think that's a huge win, especially because, you know, in terms of his, his pitch count, like his season high is 71. And that was April 11th against Washington. Then he had that 69 on May 6th. So, and I think that that's one of the reasons that they put Jesse Chavez in front of him on May 6th was because his pitch count hadn't been high and they, you know, wanted to kind of cover him. Tuesday, it'll be Morton against Humberto Castellanos. Wednesday, Kyle Wright against Madison Bumgarner. Then it'll be four with the Rockies. Now time for the Ask Justin segment. We've got a lot of good questions this week. Uh, everybody's in a good mood on Memorial Day weekend after the Braves wins. That's great. Uh, we'll lead off here with uh, at Reed Lawson. Any read on the future at shortstop? Dansby's having a great year so far, but are the Braves willing to commit to him long term? And if not, how may they fill that position? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome question. I mean, that the Braves are pretty airtight with uh, with how they handle things, especially contractually. But I think Dansby Swanson is playing his way into, you know, being an extension candidate for sure. I think the Braves should, you know, reach out about that. If they don't, you know, resign him, if they, he goes elsewhere, they've got Braden Shoemake at AAA, but, you know, they've also got potential free agent shortstops that could be on the market, whether that be, you know, Carlos Correa if he opts out or Trey Turner. Um, so they really have an opportunity if they want to increase payroll to make a splash there. From TC, what can we expect of Duvall's playing time in the near future? Yeah, honestly, I think it's I think it'll still be there. And I think the reason why is because, you know, like he fits better uh, in left field, especially if you can DH Ozuna, you know. But I, I, I do think if you want Ozuna's bat in the lineup, then Duvall, you know, is going to be on the bench because Contreras has hit so well. Uh, you know, if Contreras continues hitting well and Ozuna continues hitting well, that doesn't bode um, super well for Duvall. But the fact that putting him in left field in a corner with Acuna and then um, Harris in center field gives you one of the majors' best defensive outfields bodes well for him. I have two questions here, one from Joshua Betts, Drew Waters, ETA, and then from Josh Cole. What do you think the organizational viewpoint of Drew Waters is right now? I'm surprised we called up Harris instead of him not complaining. Yeah, no, that that is certainly surprising, especially because you expected him to be the next guy in line. 
And I think that just whether it be the hamstring injury or getting hit by a pitch, um, he's had kind of an up and down season and hasn't, you know, played every day um, and hasn't had the best numbers, you know, at AAA. So I just think in in terms of this, the Braves are trying to win now and they're not just going to fill a a roster spot. I think they really have shown under Alex Anthopoulos that they're, you know, they want to win now. They're in that position. They're going to do what gives them the best chance. And I think Michael Harris gives them the best chance. All right, this is from Skylar Hyde. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your concern for the bullpen now that Strider is in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, with Strider in the rotation, it would have been a 2. Now it's probably at about a 5 or a 6, just because he's been so good back there and he's taken such responsibility, you know, the 7th inning, the 6th inning, wherever they've really needed him, and he's done it capably, that now, you know, if you're a fan, you, you probably trust A.J. Minter and you probably trust Kenley Jansen, but... And, you know, Jackson Stevens has pitched well, but who knows how much leverage he'll get. They don't have a ton there right now, and they're, you know, it could be a little bit of a house of cards that crumbles a bit, you know, with Strider and the rotation if, if the innings don't, you know, if things go don't go their way. All right, from Jay Busby, if you had to choose between the two, which would you choose for the rest of your life, lemons or limes? Oh, lemons. Yeah, easy, easy. Because, I mean, lemonade's great. Um I, you know, I don't, I don't need limes. It's so lemons. I, I think that's an easy question. Yeah, it's a much more versatile fruit. Right. All right. This is from Trent. Name the five Braves players you'd want on your dodgeball team. Oh man. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna go with Spencer Strider, okay. um, Matt Olson. Okay. Uh, so that's two. Ronald Acuna. Naturally. Um. Austin Riley. Big arm. Yeah, and then I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go with Kyle Wright because I feel like he could be, like, sneaky, like, shaky and shifty. Like, I feel like he's a sneaky, like, good athlete that, you know, would would be a pretty tough out in a dodgeball game. I'm going to add Michael Harris because of his speed and he used to be a pitcher. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I thought about him, and I was like, yeah, I guess I should try to make this interesting for the folks instead of just giving them who I think the five strongest arms might be. Uh, but no, he he would be he would be a good one too. You know, I, I think, geez, I mean, heck, you could even you know put Kenley Jansen out there, and you could yeah. see a ball think it was going two feet to the right of your face, and it hit you in the face <laughs> with all that <laughs> movement. So I, you you could you could take this question in a lot of ways. Yes. We'll have, we'll have a special uh, dodgeball podcast coming up uh, later in the week. All right, finally, um, from the Gwinnett Stripers and Rome <laughs> Braves official Twitter accounts, how do you get your hash browns at Waffle House? Well, thanks for chiming in, guys, first of all. Um, and whoever is running those accounts deserves a raise. I've always been, you know, like I actually haven't been to Waffle House since I moved to Atlanta, but when I used oh, to go. Oh, that's a mistake. I'm going to take the Yeah, okay, for that. okay. I it's, I'm trying to, I have to cover these games, man. Our, our boss, Chris Vivlamore, expects me to be, you know, to be present for the Braves, you know, throughout the season. And I can't jeopardize that with Waffle House <laughs> uh, every other day. But I used to get them traditional because I'm just a very, like, straightforward, like, standard guy. Just, like, plop them on there. Yeah, I don't really like the onions or cheese, whatever people put in them. I just like traditional because then you can mix them with whatever you want. All right, final now, our winners of the week, and you will start. Ooh, my winner of the week is the prospect guys. So in baseball, I feel like whether it's on Twitter or like in specific cities or the internet or Reddit, wherever, they're like prospect guys. 
and they love following prospects. Like they know more about prospects than, you know, sometimes the average beat writer does because that's all they do is follow prospects. And I think that's so cool how they get so into that. And those guys are winning now because they've seen, you know, Michael Harris from the beginning and they saw him and, you know, now now he's up and it's uh yeah, it's a big win to see somebody that, you know, they're watching and, you know, high A and then double A. I've got Braves fans who reached one million for attendance this weekend. That is the fastest that has happened here since 2000. And that's also the last time the Braves topped three million fans for a season, which they are on pace to do that this year. And that is something I honestly did not think would ever happen again, mainly because the ballpark is smaller now by 10,000 people. But Braves fans have been packing it all season long. So congratulations to Braves fans. Right. Yeah, it's funny in the press box. You're always hearing, you know, when the attendance gets announced by PR, you're always hearing, you know, 40,000, not the sellout, the sellout, the sellout. Um, sign of the times, right? It's been, uh, been a lot of fun in Braves country here, and the Braves have a chance to get on a run. There's a few last-place teams they get to take on now, but uh, it'll start uh, against a below 500 team in Arizona this week. So Justin will be there. And please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It really does help us grow the show. We will have new episodes out every Monday. So Justin, have fun out west. Thanks, thanks, and thanks for sticking with us, guys. And that's it for the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.